0: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We're back with more of Sabres Live. Presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close.
1: Patrice Bergeron has retired after six Selkie victories and uh, one Stanley Cup with the Boston Bruins, and it has left a rather gaping hole in the Bruins lineup right now, one would think, especially after David Krejci posted a 56-point season, advanced age for him, certainly not any certainty that he's coming back. Uh, The Bruins may have some work to do to uh, come anywhere close to repeating what they did in last year's regular season. And that presumably is just fine with this Western New York market. Um, Well, if you look at their
2: lineup, really, like if you look at the way that they're built right now, their Mm -hmm. number one center is Pavel Zaka. You know, I mean, and Charlie Charlie Coyle might argue that. Yeah, and Charlie Coyle might argue that. So you went from Bergeron for years oh. after years and David Krejci in the number two spot and maybe Charlie Coyle in the number three spot to yeah. not having any of that up front. Now you have Brad Marchand on the left with Pasternak on the right and Pavel Zaka in the middle. I oh. mean, and then you go James Van oh. Riemsdyk with Coyle in the That's your top yeah. six in Boston, people. Like, that's, uh, let's take a good look at that, right? Like Milan Lucic, is back. Like, mm-hmm. let's, take, let's take a look at everything. Now, you still have Lindholm, Carlo, Greslick, McAvoy on the back end. You still have Allmark and Swayman. Still are good on the one side of the puck, but on the offensive side of it, and especially with your top six, top nine forwards, mm-hmm. it's a struggle in Boston.
1: He left on a high, certainly. You think of the goal-scoring prowess, which is rarely ever talked about with Patrice Bergeron. Yes. His last years were incredible. And when I say last, I mean, like, he, the last half dozen, 30, 32, 31, 23, 25, 27. Actually, you know, like, it went up again at the end. And that's just consistency. And I think the one thing um, that Bergeron, among all the things that he should be lauded for, was his um, his ability to overcome early career injuries. There, There was a time when he had taken some awful hits. And not unlike Sidney Crosby, um, you know, we we wondered. We wondered a little bit for his for his health and ability to have an incredibly long, impactful career. And I was actually at game, that game the, the, yeah, that game like where the game. he got hit
2: from behind, Randy Jones hit him from behind. Randy Jones got a four-game suspension out of it. It was right over my right shoulder. I remember like it was yesterday. That was scary. Patrice Bergeron um, not playing for a while after that, the head injury. Um, but he – so again, quickly – I talk, we, culture is a world, a word that is being thrown around in sports a lot, but Mm -hmm. at times it fits perfectly with a team, with a player, with an organization. So Patrice Bergeron is 18 years old in 03-04 when he played with the Boston Bruins his first year. The next year he's 19. It's the 05-04-05 lockout, right? He could have said, I'm an NHL player. I'm going to go play in Europe, or I'm going to sit at home. I'm going to do whatever. I'm going to wait for the season to start. No. He and the Bruins decide the best way for him to continue to develop is to go to Providence as a 19-year-old. Not to go back to juniors because they had that option for him. He went back to Providence, went to the world juniors with the likes of Getz, Carter, Crosby, like one of the best Team Canada ever assembled. Hmm. And he was a leader. He's led the tournament in points. He was the captain, like... All of that with Patrice Bergeron as an 18, 19, 20-year-old, like the the culture that he set for not only himself, but the Boston Bruins, it reminds me a lot of, you know what? Like, Tate, you're going to go play in Rochester. Like, hey, Quinn Paterka, you're going to be uh, playing in the playoffs. Uh, even Peyton Krebs uh, a year and a half ago now, going to mm-hmm. play in the playoffs. Like, that to me is a lot of the culture that teams at times try to to imitate or duplicate, but it doesn't always happen. But Boston and Bergeron did it from the get-go.
1: Part of, still arguably, the greatest draft ever, which is 2003, the only surprising part is that Bergeron somehow went 45th. (laughs) He is now the second highest scorer from that draft. And, folks, it is... One of the most stunning of all time. Eric Stahl leads and still plays. Yes. <laughs> With 1,063. Bergeron is second at 1,040. Getzlaff is retired. Fourth on the list. 205th overall. And still going strong. Joe Pavelski. Corey Perry. Zach Parisi, Brent Burns. Jeff Carter. Look, these guys are still going. And Thomas Vanek. Yes. Like it's that's your top group of scorers from that. And then, oh, if you wanted to go a little further, Dustin Brown, Ryan Suter, Shea Weber, Ryan Kessler, like, man, oh man, oh man. What a draft. What a career for Patrice Bergeron. I
2: I would like to say, oh, let's see who the the Buffalo Sabres drafted that year ahead of Patrice Bergeron. Now they picked Vanek, and they didn't have an early second round pick so they ended up picking after bergeron so i can't blame the sabers for not picking bergeron Vanek was a a, a top tiered player and showed it right uh, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of teams that ended up with one two and even three picks before bergeron was selected uh that to me was a huge miss at the time for uh for those those teams drafting
1: okay so we were talking about the defense earlier and i wanted to um you know just uh revisit here with the Dahlin and Power situation. Like, when when I give you some of those names that we talked about in the last segment, the Niedermeyer and Prongers, um, even last year, Lindholm and and McAvoy, but one, like, it's funny how often you get an overlooked player in these pairings of prolific defensemen. Yes. But this one in particular, I know you'll be able to speak to, and he, you know, would find himself on uh, near the top of scoring on multiple teams he played for. Like Mark Streit and Andre Markov in 0708 for the Habs at yes. 62 and 58, and then you know Subban and Markov, and then Subban went and did it on Nashville with with Roman Yossi. Like, when you, do you, do you when you think of Dalene and Power? Like, what do you what do you think? Do you have this kind of foundation of like, oh, they remind me of pairing, or just you know team duo?
2: Okay, so one when I was doing the research, I was looking at, historically in the NHL, some of the best duos when it comes to defensemen. But a lot of those are from the 70s, even the early 80s, maybe even the 60s, right? And I'm like, okay, I don't want to compare that era of players. So I try to stick from the 90s on. A a duo that really, I think, hit home for me, and it wasn't a duo for long, But both players had that offensive side of the game. Both players had that transition side of the game. Both players had that game management. They controlled the pace of the game. There's Larry Murphy and Paul Coffey with the Pittsburgh Penguins in the early 90s. Like they just, when they stepped on the ice, either one of them, you knew like, okay, the other team's not going to have the puck. Like it was just as simple as that. Now I'd like to say, look, um, over the last four or five years, you know, you look at um, even a Roman Yossi and Ryan Ellis for Nashville. They were a great duo. They played well together. They controlled pace. Yossi won the Vesna, not the Vesna, the Norris. Um, Adam Fox, Jacob Truba with the Rangers. Fox won the Norris. They were bowing on the ice and often not playing together. They were really good. But I can't compare any of them because I don't think they have the control of a game like Dallin and Power will have. So I have to go back really, really far and saying, okay, yeah, Larry Murphy. I mean, Larry Murphy could control a game with one end on a stick, right? And just be a power play number one guy. And then Paul Coffey could just with his skating and his ability all over the ice and be a power play number two guy. I think that's really what Power and Dallin could end up being, that one-two punch uh, and not having to play together.
1: Are you, or how, concerned are you about finding the right fit for both like do you firmly believe Darlene and Samuelson should just play together or should it be this eh, lack of a better term a tryout period here with all these defensemen including new faces in Johnson and Clifton this season like do you have it in your head how it will and or should look in your opinion
2: Yeah, I think for me, it's Darlene Samuelson, it's Power Clifton. And the reason why I'm not splitting up Darlene and Samuelson is because those two have done so much switching lefty, righty, D, like they just move all over the ice and it works well with them. When you look at Power, I think Power could play either side of the ice, the left and the right, but when you start moving him around, you lose a little bit of what he does best and is jumping up on the rush. Jumping up on the rush from your offside, getting it on your back end when you're up in the neutral zone is a big difference than getting it on your forehand. Brendan Montour is probably the... Best example of that when you look at Saber's defenseman. He was a right-handed shot, and he played the left side. And every time he jumped up on the ice when he was allowed to, number one, he wasn't allowed too much. He always got it on his back end. It exploded off his stick. And he was never able to create sustainability when it, it was rush chances and transition. And then you move him back to the right side in Florida, and he does that all the time. Power is much better Coming from the left side. And then Clifton as a righty would fit on the right side. So for me, that's the top four. Now, I my my biggest worry in all of it is could Matthias Samuelson play at least 70 games? Could he play at least 75 games? Can he not be hurt for 15, 20, 25 games a year? Now, that is, to me, the biggest concern because I don't want to go through another season where Samuelson plays only 55 games. Like, to me, playing less than 65, 70 games is what handicapped the Sabres last year and where they ended up. If you have Samuelson for 70 or 75 games, you have Dallin probably getting over 80 points. You have Owen Power now playing more in a stable role in the second pair, um, probably gets to 40, 45 points, and the Sabres make the playoffs. That's the biggest concern I have when it comes to the group of defense.
1: Can you tell me the two Atlanta Thrasher defensemen in the 10-11 season that had more than 50 points?
2: Dustin Bufflin. And? And, uh... Ernstrom? Enstrom? What was his name? Enstrom.
1: Toby Enstrom.
2: Toby Enstrom. Yes. Oh, I, I'm going to do a lap just for that one. Because I, like, the Atlanta Thrashers are one of those, like, trivia question that gets lost. Like, it's like they never existed. That's that's as bad as it could get. But, yes.
1: Yeah. I There there have been adjectives used to describe Toby Enstrom. <laughs> That I'm not allowed to use on air. Oh, I so. did
2: not hear any of that. So <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll wait for the, uh, the 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 commercial break here, Duffer. To uh, no, to no. On that. it's just
1: it's, it's <laughs> it is funny looking at these uh, you know remarkably productive duos over the years. And I just uh, again, I it, it's hard not to look at at how Lidstrom led the Red Wings, and as you would expect, like in that window where they had four straight years of having multiple fifty point defensemen. You know, they led the league in power play twice. They were third once. And that's where I really think Buffalo's got this room for growth. I think that's where a lot of the extra power points are going to come from. There's no reason. There's no reason this team can't have two extremely successful power play units. And I think Owen is it, that will allow him to go from 35 to that next tier very quickly, in my opinion.
2: I I believe that's true. And also, if there's stability in the health on the blue line, then you get more familiar with your partner. You get more familiar with your ice time. Um, I do believe that that's going to help Owen Power. Now, when we did this, when we were preparing for this exercise uh, of duo, my brain went to movie duos, right? Like we have Barbie out right now and Barbie and Ken. That's an iconic duo, right? So I don't know if when we come back from break, we want to have a little bit of fun with that. Like uh, Owen Power. And Rasmus Dalene. What's the best dynamic movie duo that maybe we can compare them to? I have a list of like 10 or 12 that I want to have fun with. So maybe we have fun with the couple of minutes we have coming back from break.
1: Yes, barely a couple of minutes. Back after this on Sabres <laughs> Live. Stay with us.